deep in London's beating heart lies a wall I'd like do it be if you know the call For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see Cause the wizard world has opened up as has the Griffin. Hello everyone and welcome to Shriekcast, no longer a Harry Potter reread podcast I'm your host CC, And I'm Liz And Liz, it began on Freak Day that day no one could explain when strangers and family members alike went crazy and started biting one another. Why are we reading this? Freak day. All anyone knew is that once you were bitten and went to sleep, you woke up a freak. What could that possibly mean? Have we looked into what that means? I had such a dilemma when I saw that image going around because I was like, oh, I should I should save this for my for my third segment thing, because this this will be guessed as fake for sure, but it was it was too good to not share. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't resist sending it to me immediately. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> freak, freak day, freak day. Devil's Wake number one has a three point seven on Goodreads. An exciting paranormal novel from two award winning authors. Whoa, about what happens when an alien race brings Earth to the brink of the apocalypse? Aliens. Aliens, not zombies, I guess. But a freak all the same. <laughs> a freak, a freak by by any description. What happens when an unprecedented infection sweeps through the world? I can't help but notice that the blurb that they have on Goodreads does not start with it began on Freak Day, which I think is a mistake. <laughs> they should they should be putting that one front and center. Yeah. Beyond even the nightmare images of walking dead or flesh-eating ghouls, the infected are turning into creatures unlike anything ever dreamed of. More complex, more mysterious, and more deadly. More freakish, perhaps. <laughs> Trapped in the northwestern United States as winter begins to fall. Oh, hey, Pacific Northwest book. Uh, Terry and Kendra have only uh, have only one... Hold on. Terry and Kendra have only one they and their friends must... Cr- that doesn't, that can't be, that's not the right. That can't be right. <laughs> that can't be, that's not the real blurb. Terry and Kendra have only one they and their friends must cross the thousand miles of no man's land in a rickety school bus battling ravenous hordes, human raiders, and their own fears. In the midst of apocalypse, they find something no one could have anticipated, dot, 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 love. Wow, that sounds, that sounds great. That sounds awesome. Freak day. Uh, we should, we should read that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we gotta find out all about Freak Day. <sighs> I'm drinking a delicious Coca-Cola Ultimate. Ooh, you too have learned what, uh, what XP <laughs> tastes like. What XP tastes like, what, uh, my ultimate move, what it's like to do an ultimate move in League of Legends. What do you think? What do you think of it? It's, um, inoffensive. Yeah. I can't quite, like, nail down the flavor, the same way where where I like drank the starlight and I was like this is like cotton candy right and then like dream world I think had like some like vanilla orange going on this one is kind of a question mark to me this one tastes like the mango diet coke that they put out a few years ago but like not quite as good mhm i can i can see that yeah it's it's one of those things where I think if they had instead of doing the League of Legends branding on it, if they had perhaps put like an orange uh, can design on it, I could be tricked into thinking it was basically any tropical fruit. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's that kind of flavor. Yep. Totally. Yeah. 
Uh, it's not it's not bad. I think it's all right. It's kind of in the middle of these ones. I, I'm just chasing the high of the Starlight. Their very first yeah. like custom flavor I loved, and then nothing else has uh, reached that height for me. Yeah, that like burnt sugar flavor. Mm-hmm. Really good. I, I really Delicious. like that. Mm-hmm. What did you have when we were at the movies? What were you sipping? I didn't get a drink. I just had a big old bucket of popcorn. That's that's the most important factor. Mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying going to see more movies because I love popcorn. And that's like I'm 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 getting back into like the theater experience. Everyone was going like, oh, you know, TVs are getting better. Everything's going to streaming. How will the theaters compete? The answer is they've got the good popcorn there. Yeah, I, I think this uh, return to movies for me legitimately has been my first time enjoying the theater. Like, I've never <clears throat> really liked going to theater, the theater, but in the last, you know, few months or whatever, I'm like, this is a great experience. I love to get the popcorn. I love to sit there. I like to uh, laugh with my fellow theater goers. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. It's fun. It's a, it's a fun little experience. We get to... We get to kind of razz the trailers before the movie starts. We get to have some popcorn, mm-hmm. hang out, talk about the movie right after seeing it. It's, it's mm-hmm. fun. It's it's a nice experience. Yeah. Uh, we saw Asteroid City this weekend. We did. I keep wanting to call it Volcano City. I don't know Volcano why. Volcano City. That that's the sequel. Well, <laughs> it's a it's a big volcano this time. Uh, delightful experience. Lovely film. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I I think the way I described it immediately after was to just say that it was a very, like, pleasurable movie to watch. Yeah, it really just sort of, like, washed over me with, like, just pleasant vibes. Just just fun. Just, just puts a smile on your face type movie. It was really funny. Very funny. Very charming. Um, the rowdiest audience that we have experienced at one of these movie outings so they far. were so rowdy there were these like two people behind us and one of them just could not stop giggling <laughs> it's like i'm so happy for you <laughs> one of them couldn't stop giggling and there's also there was another pair behind us where it, it i it was like a husband and wife situation or something but but like one of them was like, God bless him, trying their best to like whisper. And I just don't think it was happening. You know, like yeah. there are just some people who can't whisper. And so I just <laughs> heard every comment he made about the movie to his wife. Not, you know, I wasn't upset. It wasn't like that distracting or anything. But it was just like it's every now and then you you meet someone who's just like, oh, you have never been able to whisper in your life. That has never, <laughs> never been a skill you've had. Was uh, there? There is a. There are two men that kiss in the film. And yes. Is, is he the guy that like went? Oh, when that happened. Yes. Yeah. He. I, but it was. He wasn't like. It wasn't like an offended. Oh, it no, was like he was, was like, really. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he was like really like taken with this moment. He, yeah, he went like oh or something. Oh. Like, <laughs> when <laughs> when the two guys kissed. He was having a great time. He was uh, he was an active listener, I think. Yeah. Delightful time. Cute movie. Yeah. We were also subjected to many trailers, but there that's the that's the the downside of the theater experience. Too many goddamn trailers. Gran Turismo, baby. We got Gran Turismo again, though, uh, without the did you notice like n- with no preamble this time? Right. They just gave us the good stuff. It was just the trailer. No, no, like defensive. No, this really happened. Uh, little mini 
scene before it. Very funny. Um, and we got the Barbie and Oppenheimer double feature trailer there. I, I since I've been enjoying the cinema lately, um, I've been kind of like into just like experience movies and that like I want to be there for the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I was less interested in Barbie. And then part of me was like, I could see Oppenheimer just for the experience. And then I heard how long it was um, and saw that it was Christopher Nolan. And I yeah. <laughs> just crossed that one right <laughs> off my list. Yep. Uh, yeah. 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 I don't know about that one. And um, Barbie, I haven't been interested in the whole time, to be completely honest. Yeah. I I was so charmed by the on paper idea of it initially of like, oh, Margot Robbie and uh, Ryan Gosling are going to be Barbie and Ken and they're just going to be sort of pleasant and dumb in this little comedy movie. That's a cute idea. I'll I'll watch that. How how delightful. And then learning that it is one, a a multiverse movie where they're going to the real world, just like every other toy. movie. It's just it's fucking Lego movie again. And then reading the. Uh, the long New Yorker profile about how this is actually like getting the foot in the door for Mattel to make their own MCU type interconnected unit. I was like, okay, okay, this is this is fucked. No, oh, yeah, we got to nip that one in the bud. We're not they're not getting our ticket sale. <laughs> it. Is nuts. Uh, the the this very long New Yorker profile. I'm sure everyone listening has has at least seen some screenshots from this. But uh, some highlights: we're getting a J.J. Abrams Hot Wheels movie. Vin Diesel's doing a Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie. There's the Barney movie, which we already sort of knew about, but is like brought up again here. And this is this has all been part of some master plan to like do. Do do franchise movies with these <laughs> with these toys? Really dark stuff. Just terrible. Do you think that um in the Hot Wheels movie we'll get a Hot Wheels into darkness where we get like an evil Hot Wheel, kind of like uh the evil enterprise? That's gotta be it, right? Did you see the quote from them where it's like, oh, it's going to be like a a dark and thoughtful movie or something? <laughs> Just like Star Trek into darkness. Just like Star Trek. Uh, uh, at a recent investor presentation, plans were unveiled for a Barney animated preschool series, which would be followed by a film, music, apparel, and of course, a new line of toys. Uh, Craze, who is fond of pointing out that we're at Fast and Furious 10 and Hot Wheels Zero, introduced a short, uncomfortable video in which J.J. Abrams struggled to describe the new franchise. For a long time, we were talking to Mattel about Hot Wheels, and we couldn't quite find the thing that clicked, and what that made it worthy of what Hot Wheels, that title, deserved, he said. Then we came up with something emotional and grounded and gritty. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thanks. The the emotionally grounded gritty Hot Wheels movie. We can't we can't do this. We can't I, do this. I if I want a Hot Wheels movie to be anything, uh, it's not emotionally grounded. What what's going to be gritty about it? Is it a kid sad that he lost his favorite Hot Wheel? Is it going to be a depressed guy going like, oh, I remember playing with Hot Wheels. That was really fun. And then he drives to work or something like that Zelda ad. What's what's the what's the pitch here? 
we already have a Hot Wheels movie and it's called Cars. Like, I'm sorry, but I know know that that's not a Hot Wheels movie, but Hot Wheels was like beaten to the punch by the only premise that it could possibly be. And it's Cars, the movie. Oh my God. Did you see the bit about the Uno movie in here as well? I forgot about this one. No. Uh, When I met Marcy Kelly, a cheerful 38-year-old who has become Mattel's de facto screenwriter and punch-up artist last November, she recalled the moment where Kevin McCann asked her if she wanted to pitch a script based on the card game. My reaction was the reaction that everybody has, which is, what? McCann said... uh, McKeon, she said, sent her a slide deck that, quote, highlighted how cross-cultural the game is and funny things about how seriously people take it and little seeds of ideas for things to work into a movie, including a meme of Beyonce holding Uno cards. The mandate inexplicably was for a heist movie. Great reason to make a film. The first draft that I sent in was fuck-heavy, she recalled sheepishly. An executive flagged every instance of the obscenity in the screenplay. It was something like 50 pages, she said, and then the next draft had one. I got my one well-placed PG-13 fuck. (laughs) Must must we, though? Must we? (laughs) I mean, I'm no prude, but I don't think the Uno movie needs any fucks. Yeah, it's the Uno movie. I mean, we don't also we don't need the Uno movie. Right. Yeah. I I also just like question. Okay, so there's the Barbie movie, which like I I think was the one that made the most or or was at least the most innocuous seeming up front. I don't know if you've seen that other trailer where they talk where they like all the Kens are having that bit where they're standing around talking about, quote, beaching each other off. Mm hmm. And it's like, uh, it's funny. It's like they're, it's like they're saying beat each other off. And so you've already got your like, whoa, it's like about the toy, but it's like a little raunchy joke in there. Mm-hmm. And now we've got a Barney movie that's supposed to be like introspective and dark and adult. And we're, we're getting a Hot Wheels movie that is grounded and gritty. And then we have an Uno movie that's like gritty and has fuck word. How many times is that going to like be surprising? Like you can't coast on the like, no, it's real. It's actually really adult thing more than once, right? Like it shouldn't. I think that um, they are mistaken about the age range that that works. Like their properties are too are for too young of kids. Yeah, right. Like yes. we talked we talked about that that age that you get where you're still like liking Pokemon or whatever, but you want it to be gritty or like Zelda or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I think that that is like totally real. But I think that like. Barbie, Uno, Barney, that's too young. Like you can't, the kids that are into that aren't close to the age where they are wanting something gritty. And I don't think that people our age that are nostalgic about those properties give a shit about them because they were too young when they enjoyed them. Yeah. Do you, what's the youngest thing you like that, that you have nostalgia for? Because I, I think that most of any any nostalgia that I have, I think cap like like I think the lowest is probably Star Wars, which I was really into when I was like twelve, right? Which is well beyond Uno Barney Hot Wheels age, right? I mean, I guess I could say Pokemon, right? But the yeah. thing about Pokemon is that it's it like it came after Barney and sustained until well, sustained until now, but sustained until like twelve or thirteen. Yeah. So it's in that that range, that potential range there. Too, Pokemon didn't do a like gritty adult 
thing ever, right? Like, right. it is still 100% for kids. Yeah. And adults just happen to still like it because they always have, right? But there's like, they have, Pokemon has not grown up with the audience in the way that I think they're trying to make this Hot Wheels and shit stuff work. No, there's no uh, PG-13 fuck in the Detective Pikachu movie, right? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't have any nostalgia for the cards. I, I like playing Uno occasionally with friends, I guess, but hard to turn that into a film based on the property Uno. Right. Yeah. That's why we go to, to the real cinema. We go to the Western <laughs> Anderson film to try to prop it up. <laughs> There's boobs in it. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't know you could do uh, full frontal in a PG-13 movie. Yeah, yeah, I guess there yes there is everything in it, not just boo. Yeah, it's it's all it's Scarjo Scarjo bears it all in this PG-13 film. Very funny. I was not expecting that at all. Yeah, it's for like half a second. Maybe that's like PG-13. You get one fuck in the Uno movie and you get a uh, half of a second of full frontal in a Wes Anderson movie. If that's true, if that is true, I am annoyed at how many movies uh, how many PG-13 movies don't don't make use of that. I know. They get one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, if, if you can trade your one fucking for one, like, shot of a character's dick and balls or their boobs or something, that sounds <laughs> awesome. We should be doing that more often. <laughs> Let's see some dong in these movies. Let's go. Let's see some... <laughs> Let's get some full frontal. Let's get some boobies out in, in, in more films. I support this. I don't know. It's, it's a very weird... I mean... It's one of those situations where it's like, of course, I don't think it should be rated R, but I was definitely surprised to find out that it wasn't, right? Like, Right. Very weird. Very weird. Mm -hmm. um, there was another article I was wanting to read, um, but it got deleted. Did you, have you heard about this, like, kerfuffle? Where, like, GQ, I think it was, posted an article about uh, the WB uh, CEO who was taking over sort of right as we were winding down reading Harry Potter stuff. No. Uh, they posted this kind of like takedown article about how like I I like I I only, I only got to like read snippets before before it went away. I didn't think to I didn't think it would disappear off off of the magazine's website. But um, uh, you know, just a, a profile of this guy how, uh, uh, running WB right now and how controversial he is and like internally and whatnot. And it's gone. And then it turns out that the editor of GQ that deleted the article article like worked with that that guy in another capacity or so it's just a whole uh -oh. drama unfolding in real time here that uh, i guess we can catch up with next week but very very weird stuff happening over at wb very interesting very interesting indeed um well should we get to our reading for the week yeah let's do it yeah yeah kind of a weird one this week yeah, we did two chapters this week, chapters 19 and 20, um, so I will get right into it. Uh, last time on The Hunger Games, it has been announced by the game makers that there will be a rules change. Two people can win if they are from the same district and are the last two people standing. Uh, Katniss immediately calls out Peta's name and realizes how stupid that is. She determines for herself that the rule change is because her and Peta's storyline must be so popular that the audience would not be happy if the capital didn't allow a chance for the romance to win. Uh, Katniss takes a brief inventory of who is left alive and the threats that they pose to her. She gets some sleep uh, that night and then sets out to find Peta. 
Reasoning that he would have to uh, have needed water to survive as long as he has, she guesses that he is near the stream, and sure enough, she finds a bloody trail until she ends up near some mud. A voice calls to her. It's Peta, and he's completely camouflaged himself in the mud and underbrush. He's super duper injured. He has tracker jacker stings and a deep cut on his leg. Katniss does the best to clean him up in the stream, and now it's time for her to look at his leg. It's super not good. Katniss uses the tracker jacker remedy to draw all the pus out of Peta's wound, all the while trying to maintain composure and keeping up appearances by playing along with Peta's jokes about their romance and kissing and such. Peter reveals that Hamish hasn't sent him any sponsorship gifts this whole time and tells Katniss it's because he likes her more because they are the same. Katniss helps half carry Peter up to a cave-like structure to rest. Um, when Peter starts talking like he might die, Katniss cuts him off by kissing him. It's her first kiss, you know, to keep up appearances. <laughs> Hamish rewards her for the kiss by sending them a pot of broth. Uh, chapter 20. Katniss takes care of Peta, getting him food and making him eat, and keeping watch while he gets some rest. Peta returns the favor and tells Katniss she'll be no good if she doesn't get any rest, so he takes turn keeping watch. Once Katniss wakes up, she takes another look at his wound to see how it's coming along. It's super duper not good, and it looks like he has blood poisoning. Katniss makes some soup and sets snares for some game, just doing some more hatchet stuff. Uh, Peta asks Katniss to tell her the happiest day she can remember. Uh... Thinking better uh, of telling him about a day with day with Gail, Katniss tells an altered version of how she got Prim's goat for her. The real version is that they got the money by shooting a deer and getting the money from selling it at the hob. The fake story that she tells Peta is that they sold an old locket of her mother's for the money to buy the goat uh, from the goat man. She goes to the goat man and there's one goat that is wounded. The butcher who was going to take the goat does Katniss a solid by telling the goat man she wouldn't buy it and it isn't worth anything. Katniss is able to buy the goat and give it to Prim, and it's the best gift ever. Peta once again starts talking like he's going to die, but before Katniss can really argue, the trumpets sound again, marking another announcement from the game makers. A, quote, feast will occur, which is when the game makers announce food or other equipment will be dropped into the game at a single location to draw tributes together. The game makers explain that everyone that remains, quote, needs something, so that will be at the feast. Presumably, that means medicine for Peta's wound. Peta refuses to let Katniss go and insists that he will follow her and give away their position if she tries. Upon losing the fight, Katniss leaves the cave where she finds a gift from Hamish. It's sleep syrup. Katniss doses Peta's berry mash food with sleep syrup and knocks him out so she can go to the feast and get medicine for him. That is the end of our couple of chapters. This is the, you know what this reminded me of, this reading section? Hmm. This is Twilight to me. This was this was <laughs> a lot of words for very little happening. Uh, yeah, yeah. Katniss finds Peta in the mud and then, and then goes to the, and then put, puts him to sleep and is going to go to the feast. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh... The main bulk of this of this pair of chapters really seems to be Katniss explaining the plot to herself in a way that just really rung hollow for me. I think uh, this this whole first chapter is an internal monologue where she basically susses out like, oh, I guess Peter was good the whole time. And. I just really don't know how to take that. I I 
I want to believe that like she's wrong or that there is this is this is like bargaining on her part. But it really feels like a moment of the character sort of bringing the audience up to speed with where the story's at now. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, It is it takes any potential conflict she could have with PETA and she just resolves it in her own head before it can happen. Yeah, like I I want to believe, like I was saying, like 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 I want to believe that all of this is just like her warped perspective, but it's hard to hard to think that when she like thinks all this stuff about how like, oh, you know, this this must be this must be like his plan all along. This was him being nice to me. Uh uh I, I, I can pick up our relationship where where we left off before the games. And then I was like, OK, well, maybe she'll find him and then they'll start arguing because the reality isn't that simple or something. But no, they're just sort of like Peta and Katniss again. Yeah, he does start off the whole thing by saying, like, I'm right here, sweetheart, or like, don't step on me, sweetheart, or like something like that. <sighs> Yeah, yeah. I, I like. Are we to for, first of all? Are we to assume that that was like a? Is he doing an ironic sweetheart there, or is he still Haymitch pilled? What's going on there? I don't. I don't know how I'm <laughs> supposed to take it. I think that I. I don't have any like big ideas about these chapters, but the mm-hmm. one takeaway I have is like I just don't like Peta. Yeah. I just don't enjoy his character and it feels like he has shown up and all of our momentum and like excitement and like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens next chapter has just like come to a screeching halt as soon as he comes back. Yeah, this rule change and him coming back and us just like picking up where we left off with him. I would have been really interested in this if uh, like Katniss had shown up and found him and had still been a little sore about his behavior or had some questions or maybe he like had something to say to her that like anything to like cause a little friction between them. Like if, if the, if the story is now that they've got a team up for the ending, um, I'm bummed out that the conflict between them has to be this new thing, which is why did you, why did you put sleep juice in my food? Right. It's yeah. a, it's it it's a new conflict as opposed to like the old ones bu- bubbling up that have been there for the whole novel, right? It's just a little work with what you got. There was plenty there, I think, um, uh, to like to work with. But yeah, it's just very weird for them to just meet up and for the conversation about like what Peta was up to to have happened in Katniss's head and not with Peta who is here. Very odd. Yeah, I mean, even um, Katniss always was sad that Peta was bad, right? Like, mm-hmm. she always had that the conflict within herself of being like, I, but I, but I liked him, right? And like mm-hmm. a little bit of sentimentality there. But she did um, also kind of like hope that he would die or like maybe <laughs> thought that it would be good if he died right and to have that like side of her like internal conflict just melt away completely 
just feels unfortunate. Yeah. And I, I don't, I think at the end of the day, I don't buy into her internal explanations of what has happened. Yes. They feel very convenient and, and worse. I think it feels like after everything questionable, not, I, I won't even say like outright bad. Right. But like everything PETA has done that could lead to some interesting, uh, uh, conflict between the two of them, if they argued about it, has sort of been pushed aside, and it's it's feels like it's working overtime to make Katniss the bad guy in this situation. Mm-hmm. And I just don't buy it at all. Like she's not. Like for one thing, they're all all these characters are in a situation entirely beyond their control. But like Katniss knocking out a severely injured guy who's going to be very hard to transport otherwise is not not anywhere near as bad as PETA like teaming up with a bunch of guys who wanted to kill her and killing a bunch of other I, I don't know like it, it just doesn't seem those are not equivalent uh dark choices yeah yeah. And and I mean, um, I think it was something that you said last week where it's like we thought about our worst case scenarios and it was like, oh, uh, PETA was just playing 3D chess this whole time and has been like trying to protect Katniss and all of that. Um, and that feeling like kind of paternalistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about it. Like even yeah. even down like his very first action that he takes as the Hunger Games start, is Katniss is thinking about running to that bow and arrow and he gives her, like, the head shake. And mm-hmm. I don't know why, and I I don't know, like, like what what does he know, right? Like, is that something that he and Hamish, like, schemed up? Like, oh, we're, we know she's going to go after those, but you got to tell her not to. Like, what, or did he just yeah. do that in the moment? And I'm like, what does he fucking know? Like, she might just <laughs> go in and get it and headshot everyone. yeah. Yeah, Peta Peta is being positioned as like th- like the wise strategist and I just don't buy that from him. What he's done is so 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 there's the moment that you just pointed out. There's there's him shaking his head at Katniss at the beginning of the game. There's him teaming up with the careers ostensibly I guess to protect her or find out where she is so he can protect her. I mean, that that's this is also like not counting the thing he did before the games, which is is setting up this whole romance angle, kind of using her at the at the interview as a wedge and then explaining that to her very condescendingly in the train after that. And him calling her sweetheart like Hamish does and can't Katniss just going like, oh, OK, I guess you were right. I guess I should apologize to you for all that for some reason. And then the first thing he says to her here is hello sweetheart or whatever and just i don't like this guy very much (laughs) yeah yeah he's a little worm i don't know like (laughs) i think we're supposed to like him and he's a little worm he's a nasty little worm and katniss it it's it's just hard not to like feel like katniss is kind of being done dirty by this stuff yeah, I don't think I like it very much. I When I finished the reading, uh, I asked you if you had read it, and you asked me if it was good, and I said, <laughs> like, no, question mark? <laughs> like, <laughs> weird and no, not very good? I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I have so many questions about, like, her character after this and, like, what we're supposed to take away from Peta's character. He just doesn't have the juice. 
uh, it's not an interesting enough character to pull that kind of thing off. And having his like catchphrase be sweetheart here is like, you go away, nerd. <laughs> yeah, you don't find um, James Bond hiding in the mud with a cut down to the bone, you know? Hey, sweetheart. That's not how you get the Bond girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 a little rough, and I'm I was so shocked to have that whole scene unfold without Katniss being like, "So about your like whole plan here, what's going on with that? <laughs> what's your bit? Can you explain your bit to me, please?" <laughs> yeah, I would like her, her her explaining the bit to me is not satisfactory. No, certainly like like it would be satisfactory if we if we got something to compare it against later. Right. Like like if 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 she had this like. Read on it and then it turned out to be different in reality or or PETA at least has a different take on like some give me anything to make that not feel just like the book kind of bringing us up to speed and saying, OK, so this is what the relationship is now. Let's and, and we're rolling with it type stuff. Right. I, I wasn't thrilled with any of that stuff. I don't like having PETA back being this version of PETA. I really liked PETA for a while. Mm-hmm. And I liked his, uh, or I was at least intrigued by the reveal that he had switched to the, that he had joined up with the career gang. Um, but everything since then has just been not, just just not particularly interesting or characterful from him, I don't think. Right. Yeah. I mean, he just feels like a different guy. He feels like a different guy. And I think that also this this sort of weird romance they have being real makes the we have to have a pretend romance stuff really boring. Yes. Yeah. I mean, um, every fan fiction writer knows that if you're doing the like, oh, we have to pretend to be dating, uh, you have to actually start with them pretending. <laughs> and having and having conflict. Yeah. But there is no conflict. There's no conflict other than like, ooh, owie. Owie, my leg is is the conflict here uh, between <laughs> these two. Um, oh, and, and also him uh, being worried about her so much, you know? Yeah. And I guess I guess him um, threatening to kill them both if she tries to go to the feast. Yeah. Katniss is the bad guy in this situation for... <laughs> For making him take take the the sleepy syrup. Yeah. Yeah. Very weird. The there's there's flashes, I guess, of, of interesting stuff between them. I I I love the idea of them having to pretend. Like the 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 really cynical, like oh, you know, we've got to do some stuff for our audience uh, uh, moments. Like those are fun. I I I, I like Katniss's like thoughts about it. and anytime Katniss is like thinking about the audience in this book I, I'm I'm having a good time I love it when she buys into the the narrative that they're mm-hmm. supposed to be providing for the capital but it, it's just really undercut by the fact that it is also like real these, these two are in love with each other um speaking of uh like playing the part for the capital um yeah. did you think that was going to stop after Rue's death I I did kind of. Yeah, I'm surprised that we're already back. Like, again, this feels like something where Peta's appearance should have been more of like a wrench being thrown into things than a like natural conclusion, because 
you're, you're right. Katniss had that whole, I'm, I, I'm, yeah, I'm taking the fight to the Capitol. I'm, you know, I'm going to make them feel shame. Fuck the Capitol. Uh, and then she sees Peter and is like, okay, well, we got to keep on doing this thing they want us to do. Right. I, I thought that that was sort of a turning point for her character and being like, I'm not, I'm not going to be a piece in their games. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, and then maybe she wouldn't do the smiles for the camera anymore, but then yeah. she just goes right back to it. And it just, I I don't know. It feels like it really cheapens the Rue stuff even more than it already kind of was. Yes, yes, definitely. I I see one out here, and I think that this is a long stretch. But I want to. We've gotten lots of great comments about yelling at the uh, yelling at our at the phones <laughs> stuff from people who've read it. So this will this will this is this is for this is for all you doing that. Um, we'll see if we'll see if this this provokes something similar. But my 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 one glimmer of hope here um, is that P- here here's how here's how PETA can still be evil. Maybe Katniss is like 90 percent right, but she's missing a 10 percent extra layer of this is PETA and Hamish's plan because the capital, and I haven't really, really figured this part out yet. I, I don't understand. I, I, I don't. I don't know why they would do this, but the capital wants them to win, or wants Katniss to win. Mm. Like ever since the everyone loved her at the may, maybe all the Hunger Games are rigged, and it's like whoever whoever makes the biggest splash in the in the opening ceremony just gets like Truman Show to the top. Yeah, or they just pick pick based on their own reasons, right? Because we get some, like, Katniss has said, like, oh, somebody who got a bad score one one time. And it's just like, maybe it's just like the capital is picking for their own nefarious uh, political uh, reasons um, that had, like, and it is just completely rigged. Yeah, yes. Yeah, like they are... Uh, uh, like 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 basically like my 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 one like wish here is that like maybe Peta is just a patsy in this right and this the 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 goal of him doing this was explicitly to get her back into being a piece in the game again right like right. Like should they, you know, they figured that maybe that was maybe the Rue stuff was like a little too far and so like okay let's find a way to like get her back get her back in the, you know, in, in the slot car track, basically. Um, that would be cool. That's something. I don't think there's any evidence or indication that that's where things are going, but maybe. Yeah. That it's not even a prediction. It's a, it's, it's my, it's my desperate hope for, for some, for some grand reveal here, but that's all I got. Cause otherwise this stuff is sleepy. Yeah. In sort of the same vein as that, do you think that um, Katniss is going to be end up being right about her evaluation of why the Capitol is had done this rule change? Oh, yeah. Uh, What was it she said about that? Starcrossed lovers, PETA must have been playing that angle all along. Why else would the game makers have made this unprecedented change in the rules? For two tributes to have a shot at winning, our, quote, romance must be so popular with the audience that condemning it would jeopardize the success of the games. Like, it, it feels like right now, just based on the text that I have available that I've read, it feels like... Katniss is just explaining the way things are 
but I would love for this to be her having no self-awareness and having a weird high estimation of how good her star-crossed lovers acting is. I think that would be kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, they must think, oh, wow, I must really I must really be getting one over on the audience is a fun thought for her to have. I just um I feel like I end up as the reader feeling like more cynical about the child mm-hmm. murder watching audience than I'm supposed to, where it's like <laughs> when Katniss thinks stuff like that, I'm like, oh, you're telling me the child murder audience doesn't want to watch the children get murdered because they're yeah. in love? Like, I just don't really buy that. <laughs> yeah, she has a weirdly high estimation of the audience, doesn't she? Yes, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I think that they're, I think they're a bunch of fucking sickos. Yeah, I, I think that, especially because we've like, we, we've seen a little bit of the Capitol before all this. And Katniss was like seeing like partying in the streets before this, right? Like, like the people fucking love the Hunger Games, it seems like. Right. Like, like yeah, they, I mean, maybe here's a part that's tough about this. Um, is that we know that the districts are also watching the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, Katniss is maybe overestimating the response of, like, maybe the uh, the District 12 and District 11. You know, all the, all the, all the, all the normal people watching are are bought into her storyline for good reasons and didn't like it when Rue died. I, it's, this is just another moment of like, I don't quite understand how the districts fit into the capitals like world. Right. Mm-hmm. Other than just being resource extraction. Um, Cause when we're talking about the audience, it, it's a pretty wide audience. It's not just, it, it's like, I, 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 I guess I guess it's really down to what really matters is the sponsors because they're the ones who can like change the game mid midstream. Yeah, I, but I got the impression that the sponsors are just the capital super fans. Yeah, and they are like the ultimate sickos. Right. So yeah, I I, I, I unclear I think, uh, but very very funny that she's like counting on the good of the audience. <laughs> the good hearts of the people watching at home. They're watching the child <laughs> murder show. Like, right. <laughs> they're watching, they're watching the world's highest budget live leak video. That's like what this whole thing is. It's very weird. Like it's just really dark and it's sort of cute that she doesn't get how dark it is in a way, but it also kind of beggars belief. Cause she's smart. Katniss is not dumb. Right. Like, She's easily hoodwinked, I think, by the pomp and circumstance of the capital and of the games. But I think that that is that, you know, that doesn't make her like easily pliable. It's just that like the whole apparatus of the capital devotes all of its resources into like the Hunger Games normalization machine, right? Like mm-hmm. that's sort of like the best part of the story at this point. So, so yeah, I, I I don't quite know how to take her her read on the audience here. I just hope she's wrong. Yeah. I hope that's not why the rule change happened. 
I would love if it was because the capital is rigging the game. Like that sounds <laughs> great versus this like, uh, like well-meaning audience that I don't think I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, what's the end game of the, uh, you won over the audience thing. Like I mean, what ha- yeah. if she wins, what happens? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, the audience loved you so much you killed everyone else and won. Is that yep. good? It's mm. it's it's a very it's a confused book, I think, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes we'll we'll see if it uh figures out how to like land it. Like I I think mm-hmm. there could be some some reveals that would make it work, but as it is now where I think that Katniss is just telling us how it is, I don't know. It's a little weird. It's tough. Uh, yeah, the plot itself kind of a kind of a weird quagmire here. But I will say, um, just to just to to shift to something more positive here, I did like how fucking gnarly this chapter was. Or this me too. Was. I was just gonna say, I love I love how gross it is. <laughs> really nasty stuff in this one really gross uh uh lots of pus lots of open wounds and fester Ooh, gross nasty i love it cut cut to the bone pus everywhere oh the pus is gone but the skin is tight and shiny and red Mm. and there's fucking blood poisoning lines going it's it's real gross i love it it's really fucking gross. And it's this is the so this this is this is at least a moment where like, okay, now I know why people say like, oh, this this book is crazy violent. This is this is really gross stuff. I'm like, okay, yeah, there's some gore. We got some nasty, nasty field dressing scenes here. I liked the field dressing stuff. I like the gore. There's too much hatcheting still. <laughs> <laughs> yes, way too much hatcheting. There's so much, like, I got the berries and I mushed them up into a paste and I got a pot of water and I uh, warmed some stones on the in the sun and then let the warm stones heat up the pot of water and <laughs> it's too much for me. Yeah. I came here uh, to watch I'll, the child murder game. I, I, can't, I am a member of the Capitol audience and I am here to watch the gore happen. Please, some more, some more gore, some more fighting, please. This book is this book is going to make me evil. I just want to see I just want to see Katniss win. Yep. This is us <laughs> doing our genocide run of um, Hunger Games. <laughs> we got I want to hear Megalovania. I want Katniss to win. <laughs> uh, um, what did you think of the goat story? Um. Ah, what did I think of the goat story? I liked it. Um, it, it kind of got a laugh out of me where Katniss starts telling the story and is like, now I'll tell you the real story. Cause she couldn't tell that part to PETA. Yeah. a little funny. Yeah. I, I wish that she had just told him the story and created some conflict Maybe having him be like, oh, who's Gail or whatever. Um, I understand her reasoning of one, not wanting to upset him more and two, not wanting to get anyone at home in trouble. But I just think you could have ignored the part about getting people at home in trouble and two, made him go, who's Gail? 
and maybe having her mess up because like I like I like when she's like messing up around him like the the line that she says where she's like oh you couldn't have killed that goat and then she's like oops I probably so shouldn't have said that to a dying guy <laughs> I liked that yeah yeah that was that was fun I that's a moment too that whole thing where she like changes the story to like protect the names of the innocent or whatever I'm like on the one hand it's it's interesting character development for her to have thought that on the other hand I kind of just wish she would have gotten people in trouble and not thought about it and for have that right and bite her in the ass yeah that's what stories are all about yeah, maybe she wins and goes home and expects a hero's welcome. And like instead, Gail is like, fuck you. Like now I can't hunt because the peacekeepers keep watch on the hole that we go through. Right. And and what's her name? The butcher has been arrested or whatever. I, I at least did like the detail of the like, I, I think the there were versions of this that I didn't like in previous flashbacks where it just felt. Uh, I, I would have rather had it ambiguous, but I did like the moment of Katniss noticing the butcher wink at her on the way past. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I like I do like getting little glimpses of like how everyone is sort of, you know, had had Katniss's back her whole life. And that's 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 like a fun, just a fun little portrait of like District 12. And it's like. It's it's like culture and stuff, right? I I, I like that. I mm-hmm. like that stuff a lot. Yeah. Um, I thought the the story of of Prim getting the goat was really cute, and like Katniss, it making her so happy to see Prim happy. That was very sweet. Yeah. I also I, this isn't a criticism, but but it's something that I've been thinking about. Is I was very interested by the talk about how squeamish Katniss remembers being when patients would come around with gory wounds and like the, the goat wound and pointing out that Prim was really good with that stuff and like helped, helped dress wounds and helped heal the goat and comparing that to her like kind of overprotective thoughts about Prim earlier in the book where she's like, Prim is Prim isn't going to last two seconds. Prim is, if I'm gone, (laughs) Prim is going to, Prim's gonna die if I'm not there to do every little thing for her. Uh, right. She'll never learn to hunt. No, that's that. In fact, that that I think that's the strongest comparison. Right? Is like there's that whole story about how she tried to teach Prim to hunt, and she cried when she like saw the dead animal or whatever. But if we've also got the story about Prim like being able to like heal gory wounds and 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 and, and whatnot without missing a beat, then I, you know, maybe Katniss has underestimated her a little bit. Yeah. And on the other like side of that, I think PETA even has a line in this chapter where um, Katniss is like grossed out by the gore and he says, don't you hunt? Yeah. So I think that's cute. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's at least a, 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 an interesting way to characterize her squeamishness there, where maybe she sort of projects it onto everyone else. That that's, that's something, that's something. Hmm. So I think the last big thing here is the the feast, the concept of the feast. <laughs> How much are the game makers being paid? Because it's too much if this is their big game design plan. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, we're going to put some stuff in the middle. Come and get it. Back where you started. What's the point? They got to make some like mini games or something. Yeah, they they need challenges. They should have achievements or something. They should have dailies. 
their best their best move so far has been shooting fireballs at people to like make them make them get closer to each other. It's come it's on. Just, yeah, it's just really funny that they like start in the cornucopia and then all run out and then they're coaxed back to the cornucopia. I would at least prefer it if it was like a point A to B type thing. Like if if this like grand loot drop was happening somewhere interesting and not back where we started. It just just odd. Just just not very exciting. What if it was like a scavenger hunt and every tribute had like a thing that they needed hidden somewhere on the map? And they had to do like some geocaching. Yeah. Um, and then it's like sort of the like the game decision. Like, do you go after the thing that you need the most in the world or do you go after like someone else's thing? Oh, you like figure out what theirs is and try and get it before them. Right. Yes. Yes. Spite buying. I like that. Or like hunt someone down while they're doing their geocaching. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd be cool. I'm into that. I like that a lot. That's that's way more interesting than having everyone start in one place and end in the same place. It just makes the rest of it feel like they've been fucking around. <laughs> yeah. If they've all got to go back to the cornucopia anyway, it could have just been an arena battle. Kind of odd and and a really flimsy plot device to get everyone back together, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And to get the magic medicine to cure PETA. It's a lot of magic medicine in this book. Tons of magic medicine. <laughs> I, I do like the thing about how stuff gets more expensive every day. Like, that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. I, here, here's my strat. If I was a sponsor who really wanted their, their hero to win in this, and I was like a rich capital person, mm-hmm. I would just, on day one, buy them a bunch of shit. I would just buy them, <laughs> I would just send them like a giant care package. I would just be like, here's the blood poisoning medicine. That'll probably happen if you're getting stabbed a bunch. Um, here's the, here's the wasp medicine. Here's the burn medicine. Uh, here's a, I, I, I don't know what the extent of stuff that they can buy. Here's a Big Mac, you know, here, right, here's just, right. here's just a bunch of stuff. Day one. You got this. Yeah. Here's a gun. <laughs> that's gotta be the like real strat, right? Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if maybe we'll learn that that's what happened with Kato because he's the he's like the the enemy, enemy number one career guy. Maybe he had a bunch of sponsors giving him shit because he had like a big stockpile at the yeah. Cornucopia. But I thought that that I thought that meant he won the cornucopia, right? Like the careers all teamed up and took all of the stuff out of it. Yeah, yeah. He didn't get it dropped. Yeah, maybe. I would like, here's, here's my wish for going back to the cornucopia. I would like to know, well, I guess it all got blown up. So we'll never know. Fuck. I was about to say, I want to know what all the stuff that they could have gotten was. Right. Cause we've seen a spear. We've seen a bow. They've got the night vision sunglasses and then we've gotten pots of medicine, but that's not really from the cornucopia. So yeah, we don't really know what all this stuff is. A sword. One of them had a sword of some description. There's some apples. Apples. Yeah, there was a yes, there was some there was a bag of apples <laughs> for a physics puzzle. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The, the 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 not not I think my main thing, honestly, my main takeaway here is that after the kind of surprise ratcheting down of tensions at the end of the last segment, I was expecting that this was at least going to like start with like a bang and we were going to like 
get some new wrinkles immediately. Mm-hmm. And it's very slow. <laughs> it's very weird. The, the things have sort of slowed to a, a crawl here. Yeah, if anything, though, like I am looking for forward to the next chapter because I feel like it's going to be a return to the action now that Peta's asleep. Mm-hmm. Peta's going to be asleep. We're going to be getting a bunch of characters like like as silly as it is as a as a contrivance. I at least I welcome the the fact that we are going to be getting all of these characters together in one place again. Like that would mm-hmm. be fun. Um, we did get a little bit of like a rogues gallery uh, roll call at the beginning of this chapter as well. Mm-hmm. We've got we've got Cato, who we know is bad. We've got Foxface, who we know is cunning we have <laughs> clove who is un, un unknown we don't know what her deal is yep and we have thresh and that's it right like yeah i think there's because there's four people left yeah in addition to katniss and Peta. yeah so that's at least something i appreciated a sort of like update on like okay here's all the characters that we have now and they, they they've at least all been somewhat defined except clove and we don't actually really know what any of them do, but I, I at least appreciate it. Like, okay, I know, I know the names and roughly the descriptions of all of these people, at least. Um, if I were Katniss and I knew I was the only person with a ranged weapon, I would uh, have Peta make me some camouflage and uh, hide out Ooh. near the feast and just pick everyone off. That seems like a great idea. <laughs> Katniss, their powers like- combined. I need Katniss to snipe someone. I need her to... She's been talking about how good she is with the bow for so long, and all she's done is shot apples. Yeah, that one guy. I guess so she did. She did shoot that one guy. But that was, like, point blank. Right, yeah. I, I, I want yeah. sniper sniper Katniss, for sure. I need sniper Katniss. I need her to do some Legolas bullshit. I need, I need, I need to see some cool trick shots and stuff. Yeah. If if this takes place in a universe where someone can like do knife throwing, running full speed, I want to see her do some impossible bow tricks as well. Exactly. Anything else for this chapter, or is that kind of it? It's kind of it. That's kind of it. Kind of it this week. <laughs> not not much. Overall, sort of a sleepy beginning to the section. I think. Yeah, definitely. Shall we do a little third segment guessing game? Are you ready to to identify the fake YA novel? Yes, please. Okay. So you correctly identified last week the fake one. So you are, I believe, you're you're two and two, two and three. One should, of those. I should be keeping better track of this, but uh, but 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 you've gotten you you've sussed me out a couple times now. Let's see if you can keep the streak going and identify which of these three novels <coughs> is made up. The first one is S-T-A-G-S, like an acronym, STAGS, by M.A. Bennett. Nine students, three blood sports, one deadly weekend. It is the autumn term and Greer McDonald is struggling to settle into the sixth form at the exclusive St. Aidan the Great Boarding School known to its privileged pupils as stags. Just when she despairs at making friends, Greer receives a mysterious invitation with three words embossed upon it. Hunting, shooting, fishing. When Greer learns the invitation (laughs) is to spend the half-term weekend at the country manor of Henry de Wallencourt, the most popular and wealthy boy at stags, she is as surprised as she is flattered. 
But when Greer joins the other chosen few at the ancient and sprawling Longcross Hall, she realizes that Henry's parents are not at home. The only adults present are a cohort of eerily compliant servants. The students are at the mercy of their capricious host, and over the next three days, as the three blood sports, hunting, shooting, and fishing, become increasingly dark and twisted, Greer comes to the (laughs) horrifying realization that those being hunted are not wild game, but the very misfits Henry has brought with him from school. (laughs) Sounds great. <laughs> Love it. Hunting, shooting, and fishing. Uh, all right. You ready for your second one? Yep. This is Headliners by Sharon Thurman. These days, if you're not multitasking, you're falling behind. We work and play on our computers. Watch the news while we exercise. Carry devices that can do most anything in our pockets. In this fast-paced world, nobody is ever doing just one thing. Not even entertainers. Gone are the days of actors making a career just doing television, or musicians just releasing albums. In this dystopian future, everyone has to fight for a chance at the big time. There's just no room for anyone who isn't a triple threat at least. At this year's biggest music festival, the hottest new bands are about to take center stage, but they're not just going to play, they're going to plot, scheme, and fight to be the last group standing in a twisted variety act. Kelly Locke has devoted equal time to practicing this with six strings and bow strings. Will it be enough to win this brutal battle of the bands? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then finally, Gone by Michael Grant. In the blink of an eye, everyone disappears. Gone, except for the young. There are teens, but not one single adult. Just as suddenly, there are no phones, no internet, no television, no way to get help, and no way to figure out what's happened. Hunger threatens. Bullies rule. A sinister creature lurks. Animals are mutating. And the teens themselves are changing and developing new talents. Unimaginable, dangerous, deadly powers that grow stronger by the day. It's a terrifying new world. Sides are being chosen. A fight is shaping up. Townies against rich kids. Bullies against the weak. Powerful against powerless. And time is running out. On your 15th birthday, you disappear just like everyone else. Hmm. I have no clue. One, I don't think you wrote. And the reason I don't think you wrote it is because it sounds like a completely overworked premise. The stags one? Yep. I think it's like someone's ultimate ideas. Like (laughs) like someone's every idea put into one thing. Like just an overworked premise. Mm -hmm. Um, Remind me what number two was. Two was headliners, the the band one. The battle of the bands. I I want to say that you could have written that one just because I I think that like if I were writing fake YA novels, I would just pick two, like pick any competition concept and just make it deadly, right? So you could be like, oh, battle of the bands, but what if it was X? Um, <laughs> so I could see that, but it's also. But there was one line in the third one that made me think that you wrote it. (laughs) I think it was something about a creature. Uh, A sinister creature lurks. Animals are (laughs) mutating. 
<laughs> See, when I heard a sinister creature lurks, I was like, you wrote that. And then animals... <laughs> And then animals were mutating, and then I thought you didn't write that because that's too much of a Hunger Games giveaway. So it's between two and three, because <laughs> I've I've I, one is just too absurd, too overworked, real for sure. Um, so is it more likely that you would have made Battle of the Bands a deadly competition, or written? A creature lurks. I think the Battle of the Bands one is fake. Ah, you got me. You got Ah. me. (laughs) Nicely done. Nicely done. (laughs) I was really counting on the creature, the creature thing, because I love to say creature. Uh, Mm -hmm. A sinister creature (laughs) lurks. And also, I was hoping... Because the middle one is just, you're, you're totally right. It was just sort of nonsense. Like, I will pick a a teen movie concept and make it a battle royale also. Like, right. Battle of the Bands plus Hunger Games. Um, but I was really hoping that you would get faked out by the third one because it sounds like the same thing I did to Willy Wonka and Goldeneye, but for Jimmy Neutron. Because that is the plot of Jimmy Neutron. <laughs> It is, isn't it? <laughs> it's literally the plot of Jimmy Neutron, just with, like, I guess, darker. But, like, oh, all the adults disappeared and the kids form factions. That's fucking Jimmy Neutron. <laughs> um, it When I first had them read, my snap thought was number three, and then I talked myself into number two as I was going back through them. <laughs> you got like, my I, ass. If I had to pick immediately, I would have picked three. A sinister creature lurks. <laughs> a sinister creature lurks. I can't resist writing the word creature. I love the word <laughs> creature. <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> oh damn, you're getting good at this. Fuck. I'm I gotta, right? I gotta step up my game. I really gotta step up my my fake dystopia novel game here. <laughs> I should have saved Freak Day. I should have saved Freak Day. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, I would have guessed that was fake, I think. <laughs> Although I, I I might have thought that it was too absurd and you wouldn't have made it up because it would be too <laughs> obvious. <laughs> yeah. All of the ones that are super overwrought and overworked have been real so far. Because I can't, I, I, you know, I'm not a good, I'm not a good YA author. I can't match that energy of like. Like the 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 stags one that's like a very like three different premises or the um the hashtag murder gang or whatever it was called <laughs> that was like ten different premises in one like I can't I I'm never gonna reach those heights I gotta I gotta buckle down and 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 step up my game here yeah uh, yeah you've got to overwork one <laughs> all right well shall we take it to the close yeah. All right. Our theme song is Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. Huge thanks to them, as always, for letting us use that as our theme song. You can find them on Bandcamp. You can find us at patreon.com slash Shriekcast. And Liz, what will we be reading next time? Great question. I think we'll be reading chapters 21 and 22, unless we read more. And we'll let you know if we do. 
All right. Until then, happy Hunger Games. Happy Hunger Games. But there's a lady there makes ocean raw seem tame. Better know what you're after if you catch her eye. Because this hot mama is just a cat in disguise.